0: Welcome to Spot on Safety, the program designed for safety professionals. Spot on Safety is brought to you by iWorkWise, providing safety knowledge when you need it. For more information about iWorkWise, go to iWorkWise.com. on Safety, Episode 22, Warning Signs and Labels, with your hosts, Amy Duz and Dan Smiley. Good morning, Amy.
1: Hey, good morning, Dan.
0: Today I thought we'd talk about uh, warning labels, signs, placarding, how you go about color-coding things to keep people from falling head over heels uh, in their facilities. I know I walked around one of our warehouses recently and found that there were a few things that were inconsistent and was talking to our guys. So I thought this would be a really good thing to jump in on today.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you think so, Dan, because uh, this is kind of an area where there's kind of a lot of confusion. The rules are fairly simple. There are some guidelines on when you need a sign and when you don't. Um, so this is a great topic because it doesn't get captured in a lot of other
0: ways. I know that we've talked about confined space in other places, but that's also a, a topic, when to put signs and when not to put signs on confined spaces that I've heard talked about uh, just recently. So uh, this would be a good thing to get into. Maybe we'll cover that in more detail at some other podcast.
1: Yeah, there are uh, labeling requirements under various standards that are very specific um, but, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the general ones first that kind of apply no matter what the situation is. And then maybe um, just talk touch on a couple of the standards that have some pretty big marking and labeling requirements.
0: Excellent. Well, let's jump in. I suppose the first place to start would be what what is the definition of a label or a, a marking?
1: Well, you hear a lot of uh, different words that kind of mean the same thing. Like you might hear a label, a placard. Uh, or a sign, and it's funny because they're used interchangeably. Um, placards and signs are kind of just, uh, if you look at the dictionary definition, it's just a public display of a message. Um, so sign and placard can really, I think, be used inter- interchangeably. Label kind of implies it has an adhesive backing uh, or it's kind of an item used to identify something. So it's a little bit more specific. Um, Tag, obviously, is is something that is attached or affixed to something, usually doesn't mean something sticky, uh, and it's used for some kind of identification or classification of hazard. Um, Marking is kind of an interesting one. It it means that you have some kind of distinguishing symbol. It's easily noticeable. It indicates something or signals something. So it could be not even... any kind of sign or any words or anything like that, but just merely painting something a different color.
0: Okay, so uh, often on stairways going down into parts of the vessel, we'll put stickers that have yellow and black uh, cross stripes. It's a tripping hazard warning. With that, or, or sometimes we just paint that kind of thing on there. We do it in all sorts of different ways, but just, you know, kind of yellow and black tripping hazard markings... Would that be a label or a what would that be? That would be a perfect
1: definition or a perfect example of a marking. You're you're marking something. There really aren't any words involved, but you're drawing people's attention. Let's say to a tripping hazard.
0: So in in other cases, we'll have areas that we always require hard hats and eye protection uh, when we. Are, are deploying gear off of the deck of a vessel when there's gear being moved, we just have a blanket policy for that. And there's a, a plastic sign that we purchased online. They all look the same that says "hard hat area" with the picture of a hard hat. Yeah, you bet. Is that a sign or a placard or? Does... I,
1: I think it's a sign or a placard. You could you could use either term and be perfectly um, accurate. It could even be a label if it was at a sticky back. So a lot of a lot of crossover here with the definitions.
0: So you're just trying to whatever gets the message across. There's mm-hmm. no there's no requirement that hate that this hazard requires that I put up a placard and this hazard requires I put up a label.
1: Not really. You you're just trying to convey a message. So um whatever you use to do that uh it's all any three of those, whether it's a label, a placard, or a sign it's they're all kind of used interchangeably for the most part, and uh you're sending a message
0: so does does osa say I have to put up labels and placards? What is it that they say I have to convey
1: um There are a lot of specific requirements, but um in general, you are using uh signs, tags, labels, and markings to to mark a, or indicate a hazard that cannot be eliminated. So for instance, your hard hat sign, you would put up put up that sign or placard to tell people you need hard hats in that area because there are overhead hazards. Um, you're not eliminating them, you're not gonna stop backloading or, or uh, offloading your vessel. So um, you're using that sign to, to indicate something that you can't eliminate to give people fair warning. And the same with your markings on your, on your stairway. You're indicating a hazard that can't be removed. You need a stairway there, but certainly you can trip over the steps, or we see it often on ships on raised combings uh, around hatches, um, pad eyes welded to the deck. Um, you see it in general industry as well, edges of things um, that – you know, you, you need the the ship or the workplace configured that way, so you can't eliminate it, um, but you also don't want it, to, you know, someone's walking across the floor or the deck at night. Um, you don't want them doing a face plant, so you um, do, the, do the polite thing and give them a little bit of a warning so that they can uh, avoid that trip.
0: So we routinely paint the D-rings that are on the deck yellow. Paint the combings around uh, you know, valving containment uh, with some kind of a yellow stripe. Crane hooks are yellow, especially the ones that are you know that're left uh, secured near the deck where people can trip over those um, i don't I don't think there's any labeling on them. We just routinely paint them yellow so they stand out from the dark gray of the rest of the deck.
1: Well, in the OSHA general industry standards in um, 29 CFR 1910 they give you instruction on when you should use, let's say, yellow and when you should use red. Um, so some people, I've even gone to workplaces and seen orange or other kinds of things. Um, it's kind of nice when it's standardized so that the message is consistent. So OSHA put in a couple one-liners in their reg and said yellow is the color code for designating caution. So you mark physical hazards, uh, such as something you'd strike against or or trip over or stumble or fall or get caught in between something, then yellow is the, the color that's supposed to be used for that marking. Um, red is usually used and meant to be used um, under the OSHA standards for fire protection equipment, danger signs, uh, flammable liquids, portable containers for flammable liquids, emergency stops. Uh, like bars, whether they're bars, switches, or buttons. Um, So red has kind of a higher level um, indicating immediate danger, and yellow is used to indicate caution. So when you're talking about your pad eyes and your crane ball, um, both of those things, you know, it's not imminent danger, but you want to be careful not to run your head into the headache ball or uh, trip over the pad eye, then you're you're using those colors right because um, you're just indicating, hey, be careful.
0: Right. And I I guess we we do paint everything that's associated with firefighting uh, red, including all of the water piping that's associated with the fire pumps and the rest of the fire system.
1: Yeah. And I would say, I mean, from what I've seen, and, and Dan, you can address this for your experience, but people are pretty used to seeing that kind of designation in the workplace. So I would say a lot of people know what that means.
0: So other than tripping hazards and firefighting equipment, are there other things that need to be marked?
1: Well, there's a few kind of um, what I would call loose regulations, meaning that they're not in a whole group with other marking regulations, but just kind of one-liners. Like 1910 two two says that if you have aisles and passageways, they should be marked so people know where to walk through, um, let's say, an engine room, for instance, or a compressor room. Um, Another one in Section 22 is if you have any kind of mezzanine um, where you store things or even walk up there, you have to have the load rating posted. I see a ton of OSHA violations both onshore and on vessels for this particular thing because someone will build an office, let's say, in a warehouse, and then the top of that office is a great place to stick stuff um, and store it. So that becomes something that needs a load rating so that you don't overload the storage area on top of the office. Let's say it wasn't meant for storage. You built it only meant to be a ceiling and a roof to that office, and now stuff's getting stored up there, and someone puts a big 50-horsepower motor up there on a pallet, and it wasn't designed for that, and clearly it would come in on you while you're sitting at your desk. So OSHA is going to be worried about that. They're going to look at those areas that you're storing materials, whether it's a warehouse floor where you, I'm sure you've seen them before, Dan, right? Where you have, you know, how many pounds per square foot can be stored in a particular warehouse.
0: Yeah, I, we actually had a, um, a storage locker or web locker where we built some storage with that same kind of raised storage platform that you're talking about. And I ended up having to bring in, Um, a mechanical engineer to establish a load rating because although it was built on a a pretty standard, you know, two-foot center beam structure and it was being used for storage, no one had built it with a a load rating in mind. So we had to come back and, and redo that. And we do have a number of facilities like You had just described where there is an office complex built inside the warehouse and storage is being done above that.
1: Yeah, I I see it just all over the place. Um, And there can be a lot of things that change that load rating significantly. You know, maybe you have two foot joists, you know, two foot on center, but. Maybe the way you attach it to the side of the building, um, you could make your load rating significantly better if you attach it different ways. And that's where an engineer would help. I think there's also some guidance um, for standard construction, perhaps, in the building codes um, to kind of give an idea. But if people think they can just go build little lofts or mezzanines or store things on top of little structures, um, uh, oh, boy, if OSHA comes in, you know, that's a favorite um, clearly to to make sure that that just isn't done. And I've also seen it uh, where, you know, things are really underbuilt. You see two by six joists, you know, and you see a lot of heavy stuff stored on top and someone just threw some lumber together and it kind of is a little bit shaky. So probably a good thing. So OSHA has the rules on that. You, you'd mark your load rating on any mezzanines or storage areas. Uh, you're going to mark your aisles um, through spaces if it's not totally obvious and then there's another one that kind of comes up in the electrical standards, and that's if you have insulating matting or gloves that you would use to protect yourself from electrical hazards, those are required to be marked also. And they'd be marked with um, the ASTM, the American Society of Testing Materials uh, number, so it, what, what standard it met, and kind of give you the ratings, um, like the class number um, of the glove, for instance, or the type uh, and that would be required to be marked. So I actually see quite a few violations also. Um, not as many now, but about five years ago, it was all over the place where maybe you have a switchboard and you have some rubber matting in front of it. Well, if you flip that rubber matting over, you're supposed to have this ASTM marking on there. And uh, if you just have rubber mat and it's got no electrical marking whatsoever, it's not really an electrical protective mat because it hasn't been tested or rated so it's better than nothing, but it's not going to pass an OSHA inspection. That That's kind of it for the general marking scenarios. Um, so basically, uh, I guess we can talk about signs and labels if you like.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Take us through. Okay.
1: Um, basically, you know, you've seen uh, danger signs before. They're always red, white, and black. And, and indeed, OSHA says that that's how they should be. Um, and you should use those signs um, only in certain circumstances, and that's to indicate immediate danger. There are special precautions necessary um, for that area, and those are, are not uh, just a little warning or a little reminder or something. They, they indicate some kind of immediate danger that would cause serious physical harm. Um, caution signs, on the other hand, are used to warn against potential hazards. So it's similar to that yellow-red marking, but for signs too um, – it, this one is for more of just advisory. Uh, you want to warn maybe against unsafe practices um, or a possible hazard, not necessarily an a imminent danger. So caution signs are supposed to have a yellow back, background with black print. Um, you see other safety instruction signs as well. Um, general safety instruction signs are supposed to be white and um, green. So that's kind of the the universal, and this, these have been in the OSHA regulations for quite some time, but they're kind of the universal marking uh, categories.
0: Do you find if you go to one of the safety supply houses and order signs or labels that what you're buying complies with this standard, or do you find that there are some things that you can buy on the open market that are kind of freelanced, the colors that they're using? What's your Both. experience?
1: Both, you know, I would say most of them do comply, um, but you get variations and different styles that sometimes aren't exactly right. So I think it's important to be educated as an employer so that you choose ones that, um, that are appropriate. So occasionally, yeah, I mean, you could definitely order a sign on the Internet or out of a catalog that doesn't meet these requirements. So um, something to consider. Although, I, like I said, I do find most of them do.
0: What about the the wording? You know, I you see uh, you know signs uh, that are just look like a big paragraph of words. No one's going to read that kind of thing.
1: I know. You see that stuff, and uh, the 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 OSHA requirement actually says that it's easily read and concise, has sufficient information to be easily understood. The wording should be positive rather than negative and accurate in fact. Now, that, that one's really interesting to me, Dan, because when you go by the generic sign, often you're saying, oh, this one's close enough. This isn't exactly the situation I have, but I'm buying some warning sign that says something kind right. of closer. Right. I, I want to
0: be in compliance. I need to stick a right. sign here. Right, and you look
1: through five catalogs, and none of them are just right, and you're like, ah, oh, forget it. And or
0: this one's 25 one. bucks, and this one's 5 bucks, and it's like, oh, $5 sign. That's good enough.
1: Yeah, but there's also, uh, uh, it says it has to be accurate, in fact. And there are some cases, probably if I was an ocean inspector, employers wouldn't like me, where, you know, their signs aren't accurate, in fact. And in this day and age, with all the good uh, quick printing uh, solutions and everything, especially for ships, I'm getting most signs, uh, when people ask me about it, I s- suggest, and, and if I order them for people, I get most of them custom. Even especially like let's say general industry confined space signs um, what is the hazard in the space is it ventilation do you need do you need a permit but you need ventilation and lockout you know I prefer that sign to be very explicit for for that space and that generic confined space confined space you know so uh, sometimes you can really help your employees out by giving them a clear and custom message um, the other thing that that uh, a lot of people don't realize and in, in, uh, this isn't a, a rule from OSHA for shipyards, but it's something to keep in mind uh, for all industries is employees are supposed to comprehend these signs. So the employer has to ensure that each sign or label posted is presented in a manner that can be perceived and understood by all employees. So sometimes you see them English and Spanish. Uh, some, you know, A lot of workplaces I work at they have more languages than that. Um, and a lot of times, like you said, you just see a whole lot of words. What if a person can't read? What if they can't read English? Um, I think we're going into a phase, and people should get ready for that phase, where um, uh, training should the sign should be no words. If you can convey the message clearly in a picture, maybe that's better.
0: That's a really good point, although I generally, generally don't have... Issues where where I'm working with multiple languages, uh, I could see that as being a real problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a problem, and I think it's a problem in construction and manufacturing where you have immigrant populations who are doing a lot of that work, and uh, um, or even you know just manual labor. Play, uh, occupations where they haven't been to a lot of school or college, and um, I still see literacy issues. So when you pop up a sign and it's got a bunch of words on it, you're not really done. Um, especially these days, I think the bar's going to go up. Um, it already has in shipyards, but um, it's going to go up for for everyone else too eventually. Where you know those signs are supposed to be understood, uh, if possible. Um, it's hard to get there. Sometimes you have to. Um, really get creative to try to you know uh, send a complicated message uh in on, with a single picture or something like that for a sign and maybe some cases you can't and you just do training instead but i think that's an up and coming issue so kind of interesting to me
0: what other places might we put signs um
1: well i think that That covers kind of the general, we talked about trip hazards and fire protection, um, areas where you don't want people to smoke. I see them uh, near compressed gases and that kind of thing. Wherever you're going to convey that message. Um, Also, one thing we really haven't talked about too much are electrical hazards. You know, OSHA recently revised their electrical standard, talked about, they're talking about arc flash now. Um, You have to put an arc flash warning label uh, in an electrical panel on that final cover. That covers those live parts. So if we take a standard, let's say, uh, for sake of discussion, just a household main electrical breaker panel, um, you wouldn't need the label on the outside. When you open the door, there's that inside cover you take the screws off with, right? Right. You take the screws off, and when that whole thing comes off, you have live parts um, so that it would actually – your label would go inside, um, so that you can easily see when you take those screws off that you're in a whole different world and you have to worry worry about arc flash. So um, you need some signs on those on those cabinets or in those cabinets. And also in industrial, like say um, motor s- starter centers or something like that, um, it could be that you just open the, the handle and you're in the live parts already because it's not really household, you're talking about more serious power in um, industrial applications, and so maybe that arc flash label or high voltage label is supposed to, would have to go on the actual outside of the box. So um, for electrical, there's some some marking requirements too, and then you get some from other standards. Uh, certainly, confined space you already mentioned. There's some some signs that are needed for that uh, hazard communication. 1910 1200 uh, requires that you label your containers of chemical right? So um, you'll also see it biohazard bags. If you have a bunch of bloody things in a doctor's office, it would be marked with a biohazard warning label. You see those sharps containers, they're red and have a biohazard warning symbol. Um, And one other sneaky one, I think, uh, is DOT containers. Let's say you have a propane tank or an ammonia uh, cylinder or welding cylinders, acetylene and oxygen. The employer is required to retain those markings as long as there's any material in that container. And it's not just if it's empty, then you don't need the label anymore. It's, it would have to be purged. You'd have to not even know what used to be in it, basically, for you not to have to have that DOT marking. So when you, you have uh, welding gas cylinders on the deck or on shore and they're getting weathered and those DOT labels are coming off, it's a potential problem.
0: It's amazing to me how often I walk through a space, and we've been talking about hazard communication and giving training for years and years and years, and I'll find plastic spray bottles, you know, secondary containers that either aren't labeled, or maybe they once upon a time, somebody scribbled in a black marker um, the, the what was in it, but that's long since faded to the point where it's almost unreadable. I found a five-gallon bucket a few weeks ago, had no labels on it whatsoever. It turned out to be peanut oil because the crew of the ship was going to deep fry a turkey. (laughs) That's great. What is this? And the first guy asked goes, oh, I don't know. But, you know, the the captain and the cook had this big five-gallon bucket of peanut oil that they had set aside. But you had no way of knowing what it was. Sure. And and the crew didn't know what it was.
1: Yeah. It's this... uh I think right to know i think it's been out since 1984 for that and you would think we would have some uh institutional intelligence you know that that would become second nature but you still always see it
0: yeah all the time all you have to do is open up a cleaning cabinet and there there's going to be something it's it's low-hanging fruit if you're doing a an inspection
1: yeah i guess we should rubber band sharpies everywhere you know to make it make it extra convenient but I know, people get in a hurry, and they're just, you know, I don't know what they're thinking, but they don't get to it.
0: Well, that seems like it's covered the topic pretty well. Do you have anything else to add before we sign off for the day?
1: Oh, you know, I think probably the only thing is is the training element um, OSHA has a kind of sneaky one-liner that says that employers are to be instructed that danger signs indicate immediate danger while caution signs indicate possible danger. Um, you're not required to document that training. And I've never seen anyone cited for not providing that training. But again, it implies a little bit that your, your job isn't over when you stick the label up, um, that you have to uh, let people know know what it means and you know one other interesting thing on that a friend of mine owns a factory trawler and he uh, got a copy of every label he has on his trawler and he would pull people out of the crew and he would just say what does this mean and he would put it down and it was amazing he had his new ipad camera and he was uh, taping it and showing me and the guy would just simply say i don't i don't know it was just a bunch of words and he couldn't read, you know, or even the, the sign. he go, oh, that means this, but it didn't mean that. Um, so if you actually point at a sign in your workplace to one of your employees and say, what does that mean? Um, it was very enlightening what kind of answers you got back. And it's pretty much changed the way I think about signs and labeling.
0: Well, I guess I know what I'm going to go do for fun on Monday.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're cruel. Love you.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, as usual, thanks so much for your time, Amy.
1: Yeah, you bet, Dan. Anytime. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spot on Safety. If you would like to ask a question or leave a comment, you can email us. The address is spotonsafety at iWorkWife.com.